Well, good evening, everyone. It is great to be with you. Week two of our, our series on the questions of Jesus. Um, I had a chance to, to talk to Ben, who's Abby's fiance, who's going to be our, our intern next year. Who, yeah, yeah. I talked to him today, and he was telling me about how fun it was to get you know, 80 text messages in, in a one-minute period. He said that the best one, someone just said, brace yourself. <laughs> that was the whole text. So I, you don't have to raise your hand, but I, I kind of want to talk to you about what you, how you think I treat the staff here. Um, but that was fun. We, we are continuing this series on the questions of Jesus, looking at the, the questions that Jesus asks to individuals and to his disciples and to strangers. In this case, uh, a very, very sick man he's never met before in his entire life. We talked last week about this question, what are you seeking? That the questions of Jesus uh, both reveal something about us and they always invite us to something in him. And we're going to be looking at how these questions lead us to, to seek him. And so our question for week two is, do you want to be healed? Uh, and we're in John chapter 5. Jesus has been traveling from town to town, preaching the good news and healing the sick. And he has finally made his way to Jerusalem. This is the first time he's in Jerusalem since he was there as a, as a child. And so that's where we are as we start. So it's printed on your handout, or if you have your Bible, it would be great for you to read along with me from John chapter 5, verses 1 to 9. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed, one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. This is God's word. It's absolutely true, and he gives it to us because he loves us. You pray with me, and we'll get started. Father in heaven, thank you for the gift of this night. I pray that you would speak what is true to us right now. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd be at work through your word in us so that we might know you and love you more and love one another. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Meg and I really like the show Parks and Rec. You guys ever watch Parks and Rec? There's a... Uh, there's an episode I was thinking about as I study this text, as I, which is a bad sign, but from season five, and Andy Dwyer is training to become a police officer, and he's on the track with Chris Traeger, who's super fit, and Tom Haverford is pacing them in a golf cart, and he's trying to work on his, his two-mile run. And so he finishes his, his eight laps, his two-mile run, and he finishes in 30 minutes. It's abysmal time, nowhere close to what he gets, and he just finishes, and he just completely breaks down, oh, it hurts so bad, I'm dying, I'm so tired, running is impossible. And as he's saying this, he, he takes off his shirt and pulls down his shorts and in just his underwear just lays flat on the ground with his face against the track. And the last thing he says is, I'm never going to be a cop. I guess I'm going to have to be a robber. <laughs> what, what he's experiencing is called despair. Okay, That's what despair is. Despair is that feeling you get when you are face to face with your brokenness and you feel hopeless about it. It's being face to face with your weakness, with your insufficiency, with your failure, and feeling hopeless, like there's nothing you can do to ever change it. 
That's what Andy's feeling. I could never be it. Not only am I too slow to be a cop now, I'll never be a cop, he says. And this feeling of despair is something we actually know all about, and there's nothing funny about it. <laughs> there's nothing funny about it. And when we feel despair, when we come face to face with our brokenness and we have that discouraging sensation that there's nothing that we can do about it, we tend to react in different kinds of ways. Some of us, when we feel like that, we sort of act out. Well, you know what? None of it matters anyways. I'm just I'm going to go out. I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to get crazy. Some of us work. We study. We grind it out. We try to, we try to numb the pain with some kind of version of, of success or achievement in our lives. Some of us slip into depression. That's that hollow, empty, cold, energyless feeling of purposelessness that we can get when we fall into despair. And for, all, for, for most of us, we've had some kind of low-grade feeling of this for most of our lives, so much so that we kind of just don't deal with it. And it's just there, and we just shove it down, and we suppress it, and we put a smile on our face, and we tell everybody around us that everything is fine all the time. WNL students are better at this than anyone else I've ever met in my entire life. But we're actually all struggling with this feeling of despair. And that's what, is, that's what is highlighted in this story from John chapter 5. Jesus is encountering a person who is walking in deep despair. And he asks him, do you want to be healed? And in order to do that, he calls this person to, to deal with their despair. And tonight, as he asks us, do you want to be healed? He's actually going to call us to do the same, to face the reality of the depth of our despair, but he's going to do it because he's actually also calling us to life and to joy and to healing. We, we've said, I've said, you've heard me a couple times already tonight, Jesus' questions always reveal something in us, and they always, they always invite us to something in him. So what we're going to see tonight is that in this story, Jesus' question, it reveals our despair and invites us to healing. It reveals our despair and invites us to healing. So first, Jesus' question, do you want to be healed? It reveals our Despair. The, the introduction to this passage kind of sets the stage just because of where this thing happens. We're told that there's this pool. It's called the Pool of Bethesda. Some of you may be from Bethesda. Okay, Bethesda, the real city, is much nicer than this place. And this is a place where it is described as there being a multitude of invalids, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. This is a place where all of the sick people, all of the crippled people, all of this, the disabled people, it's where they gather. It's where they hang out. It's the, it's the part of the city of Jerusalem, which is the, the capital, the religious and economic and political capital of the area, that if you were in Jerusalem, this is the last place you would go. Because the people here are ugly and dirty and poor and incapable of doing anything. And they're all hanging out together. And that's the first place that Jesus Christ goes when he enters the city. And they're there because there's this pool. And every once in a while, the pool bubbles up. Something happens. Something stirs the water. It, you may notice in your Bible that one of the verses is missing. It's because there's a verse in some later versions that, that explains what this is that's actually not in the original, in the original text. They think maybe an angel was touching the water or something. This is a place where Jews and probably pagans, non-Jewish people would gather. And the, the legend was, the myth was, that if you, 
the first person to get in the water once it was stirred up, once it started to bubble, would be healed. So all these people are hanging around just hoping that the bubbles will come, and then they're going to dive into the water, hoping that they could be the first one. And Jesus shows up to this place filled with these helpless people. And, and we're not told, but I, 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 want, I want to imagine when I read this kind of story what Jesus is doing. You can, you can see as you read through the other stories of the Bible that when Jesus goes to a place, he's often drawn to the sick. He's often drawn to the poor. So I, I like to imagine that he's going kind of person to person, touching a shoulder, saying a word of encouragement, saying a prayer. And he comes across this man that says he's been an invalid for 38 years. I'm 34 years old, 38 years. This man has been in some kind of incapacitating pain that keeps him from walking. 38 years of pain, 38 years of poverty, 38 years of being a reject. And as we'll see most meaningfully, 38 years of being lonely, of having no one for him. And this is the person that Jesus goes up to and ask this question, do you want to be healed? And I want you to listen to his, to his answer. The answer is that pe- people never really ever know how to answer Jesus' questions. Here's what he says. This is verse 7. This is his answer. Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. What does he say? I have no one. I don't have anyone. I'm helpless to get in there. I can try to drag myself. I can try to limp. I I can't get in there, and I have no one to help me. This is a person whose experience is defined by a sensation of being unwanted and unloved. That's, That's the core of despair. Coming face to face with your brokenness and having a hopelessness to deal with it, it's at the core of that is this sensation, this belief, this fear that he might be unwanted and unloved. And, and I am convinced that in our own experience of despair and brokenness in our lives, what's at the really root is that same belief or fear that we, that you and me might really be unwanted and unloved. And I am convinced that when people go out to parties and act crazy, they're actually trying to get some kind of attention from others so that for a moment, they might believe that they aren't unwanted and unloved. And I actually believe that when you work and work and work and work, and finally maybe you get that encouraging email from a professor, it's because there's part of you that wants to stop believing for a second that you are unwanted and unloved. I think this is why people hook up in college, is because just for a moment, in the embrace of someone that doesn't even care about you, you might believe for a moment that you're not unwanted and unloved. This is actually at the core of our experience. This is why you care so much about the number next to the little red heart icon on your Instagram. Maybe I'm not unwanted and unloved if I get a ton of affirmation. from. That's what that speaks to. That's why you spend so much time on Instagram. It plays into the deepest place of despair in your life. And Jesus' question calls this out in this man. And he actually forces him to name it and to face it. And he actually wants to encourage us to name and face the places in our life where we're feeling despair, where we're feeling unwanted and unloved. 
And part of this is because he wants to show you. He wants to help you have eyes to see that no party and no bid and no letter of, of reference, that no girl or no guy, no position, no job, no amount of money is actually going to stop making you feeling unwanted and unloved. None of that stuff is sufficient to do it. Now, this may seem like a cruel thing of Jesus to do. Bring up your worst pain. Put his finger on the deepest place of, of injury in your heart. But he actually does it because Jesus knows that the pathway to healing goes through despair. Jesus knows what we now know from psychologists and counselors and pastors that sorrow and pain actually is the thing that carves out room for joy. That you can't just not deal with your stuff and your story. You cannot hide from it. It's a part of who you are. And you actually have to face it. And Jesus knows. Jesus knows all about face, coming face to face with despair. I'll talk about that a little bit later. The challenge, the first challenge tonight is to try to be people who can respond to Jesus' question by being honest about the places where we feel like we're unwanted and unloved. And I want you to think about that right now. Because as you face that and you come to Jesus, you actually are going to find that he's actually inviting you to healing. David says, weeping may tarry for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. <laughs> that when we face these things, when we face our despair, actually with Jesus, joy comes. And so not only does he reveal our despair, but he actually invites us to healing. And Jesus has here this tender and loving response to someone who completely and adequately answers this question. Remember when he turned last week, when Jesus turned to the disciples of John the Baptist and said, what are you seeking? And they didn't know what to say. And they said, where are you staying tonight? They didn't really answer the question. He doesn't answer that. He doesn't say yes or no. He says, I don't have anyone. He just kind of speaks out, cries out in despair. You might think that he would say something like, yes, Lord, I believe in you. Son of David, you can heal me. You, you find out later in John 5, this guy has no idea who Jesus is. Even after he's healed, he doesn't, know what, he doesn't know what happened. There's these times when Jesus seems to be responding to someone's act or profession of faith. We're actually going to talk about that in a couple weeks, a passage where that happens and the question's there. When Jesus asks some people who are, who are blind, do you believe that I am able to do this? But here, Jesus doesn't respond to faith. He responds to despair. He's He's touched. He's moved. He's filled with what is the most underrated quality of the God of the universe who created everything by the word of his power, his compassion. What we see here is Jesus' compassion being poured out against despair. And so, he's, so he heals me. He says, rise, get up your mat and walk. And all of a sudden he's healed. And I don't know about you, I find the healing passages in the Bible a, a little difficult to deal with and a little stressful because I have problems, and I have brokenness, and Jesus is not snapping his fingers and making my stuff go away right away the first time I ask. And, and I know from talking to you that that is the same with you. These, these healings are these kind of inbreakings of the resurrection life and power of Jesus that come out when, in, in his ministry and that most of us have to wait until the final day to experience. But it's helpful to remember that the healings of Jesus are, are temporary. Meaning this man still died. Jesus is not altering the course of history here. 
But what I but what I want to focus on, what I think he's mainly doing here, and what I think he's mainly inviting us into, is to the, an experience of encountering his compassion in the midst of our despair. That when we come to Jesus in in our fears and on our belief that we might be unwanted and unloved, that those things are put to rest, that those doubts and fears are, are put to rest. And, and if this story is not enough to convince you that Jesus has compassion on you in the midst of your despair, that he actually sees you, that he actually wants you, that he actually loves you, think about what Jesus himself endured in order to save you. Can you think of a more profound expression of despair than someone who is a perfect friend being abandoned by all his friends, being falsely accused and arrested and mocked and beaten and hung on a tree and murdered to death through torture by the people that he came to love and save. He experienced the most profound moment of despair in history when he cried out with his last breath, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That even Jesus had that feeling in that moment of being unwanted and unloved. He did that willingly in compassion for you and for me. Out of compassion for you and for me, he walked the road of despair. He offers healing to us in our despair by dispelling the lies and the fears. He says, you are wanted and I can prove it, I died for you. You are loved, and I can prove it. I died for you. And when you believe that you're unwanted and you're unloved, what you're doing is you're believing a belligerent and egregious false accusation at the hands of the enemy, the evil one. That's his line. Jesus' line for you is you are wanted and you are loved, and I died for you. Do you want to be healed? It's, it's a kind of question that seems like a no-brainer. But none of us really want to face this kind of despair. And you can even feel the cloud uh, in the room right now as I'm talking about these things, as you're imagining the, those own places in your life. But the first step of any solution is what? It's admitting you have a problem. And so one of the things that I want to challenge you to do this week is to try to get real with yourself before Jesus about your own despair, okay? And here's how I want, to, I want to suggest that you do this. And we're going to try to do both things at the same time where we admit that we face the places of despair and we remind ourselves of the compassion of Jesus, okay? So what I want you to do is I want you to get a piece of paper sometime this week and I want you to start bullet point lining out, writing the things in your life, in your story, in your relationships, in your past, in your struggles, in your weaknesses that make you feel like you're unwanted, and unloved. Places you're feeling pain, places you felt rejection, places you failed, places you've been hurt at the hands of someone else. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to write it like this. I'm not even sure if my parents really love me, but Jesus loves me and he died for me. I have made really big mistakes this year in some of my relationships, but Jesus loves me and he died for me. I have not taken care of my body the way that I should, and I have not respected others, but Jesus loves me, and he died for me. People have harmed me, and they've taken away my dignity 
and my innocence and my purity, but Jesus loves me, and he died for me. We're trying to face the reality of our despair and bring it to Jesus and bombard ourselves with the truth that you are wanted, that you are loved, that you have been saved through his death and resurrection. He walked the road of despair for you. Some of us are not ready to do this yet. Some of us are not ready to come to Jesus and tell him we're weak. Some of us are not ready to come to Jesus and forgive. Some of us are not ready to come to Jesus and be forgiven. Some of us are not ready to let go and be powerless in our lives. Some of us are not ready. That's okay. That's okay. But he's asking you, do you want to be healed? Because he yearns, he longs for you to experience the healing that comes from knowing how much he loves you. He longs for you to experience it. We, we sing to our children every night. My, not my older two daughters. They're too cool for that now. We sing to our, we sing to our younger two, and you tend to sing the same songs every night because they have their favorites. So my daughter Caroline's favorite song is This Little Light of Mine. But Betsy's favorite song is still Jesus Loves Me. This is the song. Y'all, I sang this song to her the moment she was born into the world, okay? And I sing it to her every night that I put her down. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. I, I sing her the song, and she's, the lights are off. And we have the sound machines on. It's very sleepy in there. She's in her PJs, and she's got, snuggling with her head on the shoulder. Someday, you, this is the best feeling in the galaxy, okay? One day, you will, you will experience this. She'll be, she'll be two next month. And, uh, and I'm singing the song, and sometimes she's quiet, and sometimes she's sort of humming along. And then we get to her, her favorite line. Jesus loves me this I know, for the Bible tells me so. We get to this line, little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. And here's what we do. We say, they are weak, but he is. And then she lifts her head up, and I go, strong. <laughs> and she grunts and grimaces and says it with me. She doesn't put her hand up yet. She will. I'm teaching her. And I think that something is happening in her heart in that moment. I hope and I pray that something is being formed in her through singing that children's song that is going to teach her to face her despair one day and walk with Jesus because she is learning to know that she is a weak, helpless, broken person. She is not enough, but Jesus is. Jesus is. We are weak, but he is strong. And he loves you, and he died for you. You may not be ready yet, but he stands asking you if you want to be healed. And he speaks this truth to you in your despair out of the compassion of his heart. I want you, I love you, and I died for you. Will you guys sing Jesus Loves Me with me right now? And then I'm going to pray. You don't have, we're not going to shout because that's weird. Okay? I'm going to start, but you're going to join in very quickly. Okay? <laughs> Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. 
Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Lord Jesus, we are weak, but you are strong. That's it. We are weak, but you are strong. Lord, I, I pray that you would give us the courage to face what you reveal in us, the places of despair and brokenness and pain in our lives. Lord, give us the courage to face those and bring them to you so that you might heal us with the word of your love, that we're enough, that even though we're weak, you love us. Even though we're broken, you love us. Even though we've made terrible mistakes, you love us. Even though we're damaged, you love us. Thank you for dying for people like that. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. This one, um, one of my favorites. It doesn't have the word Jesus.